and welcome to the Molyneux View podcast. I'm Jackie Oatley. With us, as ever, your esteemed Wolverhampton Wanderers correspondent for The Athletic. It is Tim Spears. Hello, Tim. Hello, Jackie. We have some very important news. We are nearing the end of our 90-day free trial offer. So if you're not yet a subscriber... You really are missing out on Tim's rather brilliant insight. He wrote this bit. Um, Nip to theathletic.co.uk forward slash wolves pod if you want to subscribe because that offer expires at midnight this Thursday, 28th of May. So if you want three months free, then go to theathletic.co.uk forward slash wolves pod. Now on this week's The Molyneux View, we have Jordan Graham as our guest. Now this will be interesting. He's a winger, of course, released this time last week when we were recording this podcast, the news came through. No surprise at the time, no fanfare as such, but he did have a really promising spell at the club before he was struck by injury. And it didn't quite work out for him at Molyneux. So we'll be asking him why. I have spoken to him about this and it is quite intriguing to hear his explanations so uh, it might not actually be quite what you're expecting but we'll speak to him in just a moment plus we'll have your tweets your comments your questions for Tim how are you Tim good to see there's a dartboard behind you I get to see full view of it this week have you been practicing it's been a busy week trying to nail those 20s Jackie yeah (laughs) Singles, no doubt. <laughs> right, so since we last talked, um, we talked about the Morgan, Morgan Gibbs-White situation last week and uh, a lot of fans had very little sympathy for him. Since then, it's transpired that the club chose not to fine him, which I felt quite surprised by that, I have to admit. Were you surprised? A little, a little. I thought the I thought the obvious thing to do would be to make a donation uh, to the NHS or NHS charities or something like that. But I think the club are, the club have obviously showed in in not finding him that they don't think it's as it's as big a deal as, as some fans would and and, and perhaps with us as well. And we you know we had a really good debate about it last week. I enjoyed that. And what I would say is that um you compare what's happening elsewhere and Serge Aurier with uh, three breaches of lockdown, not just one, uh, Carl Walker that we know of. as well. <laughs> yeah, that we know of. Just to explain, went to a, a party in London during lockdown. Yes, exactly. So I think I think basically the club are keen to draw a line under it and move on. And um, he's returned to training, tested, tested negative for coronavirus. So he was allowed to uh, return to training last week with the team. And as we discussed at length last week, we just hope that he uses this as a sort of a, 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 a line in the sand to really get his head down and, and start producing on the pitch again. Absolutely. That's what we want to see. Really is up to him now, isn't it? Exactly. After this. And in terms of training, they've been back in some capacity for the last couple of weeks or so now, haven't they? Just explain where we are with that. Edging back towards normality. So they've been training in small groups of five whilst maintaining social distancing um, for the past week. And then the, this week is 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 a big one, really. You know the um, the vote to come back to social distancing, non-contact training was pretty straightforward, really. Not much, not much more of a risk factor involved. But what they're looking to do this week is groups of ten players training together, um, but there will be close contact training if this vote is passed on Wednesday, I think. Um, so close contact training, but not full contact. Um, so that there's slightly more risk involved in that, and uh, I'm sure a few clubs will have objections, and it may not be a unanimous vote like it was for returning to, to starting phase one, which is what they're in at the moment. So, um, so we'll see. But the, 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 the signs are good at the moment. I mean, um, almost a thousand players and staff were tested 
last week for coronavirus, and I think only only two had a positive test in that in that second round of testing that we've had, which I think works out to like 0.2% of people. So that's tiny. So if that continues, and they'll be tested very very regularly, I think they're all tested again today, which is Monday. If that continues, then um, hopefully we can edge towards a return to competitive action in about a month's time. That, that, that'll be the plan. Yeah, so we don't have a date, but we think sometime in no. June. As we should have stand. a date this week. I think that's another thing that they're voting on. Um, at the moment, the one penciled in is June the 12th, which clearly isn't, isn't going to happen in my mind. That's far too soon. You know, they haven't even decided if they're using neutral venues yet or, or clubs, proper stadiums. So, But um, it'll be June 29 or probably more likely be June 26th at this point. But to remind people, they have got until late August, r- roughly, to finish the season. And with not a huge amount of games left to be played, and you can, of course, play Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Tuesday, you know, they can get those done in about a month. So they've got a little bit of time to play with. And I think um, end of June is probably a realistic uh, time to go for at the moment. Fingers okay, crossed. so if it does all transpire that way, then what sort of gap would there be between the two seasons? Yeah, and that's another thing that's got to be decided. And um, I guess there won't be much of one because... If you're going to give players, you know, two, three, four weeks off, then they, their fitness levels will go down, um, sharpness will go down. They'll probably want to go almost immediately into the next season, I would have thought. Um, because if you're going to cram all these games in, then you haven't got a lot of time to play with. What with the Euros looming next summer, the Olympics as well, things like that. So, you know, the Premier League season can't be dragging on um, into next kind of late May and June if they were managed to restart it. So no, it's a good point. Um, there may have to be sacrifices and compromises. We've spoken before, would they get rid of the Carabao Cup? Would the European competitions be shorter maybe? So a lot to work out, a lot to work out in the next few weeks. Yeah, it means nobody can book a summer holiday. Nobody knows whether they're going anywhere, whether it's safe to go anywhere, whether they're all heading to the south coast and um, invading their space down there, whether they're all going camping or what. Nobody really knows what's going on full stop, do we? But it's interesting watching Bundesliga and just visualising what it's going to look like when it does come back. And it just feels that it brings you a little bit closer to the action, um, knowing that it is possible, even though we know they're a little bit further ahead than us. But I was uh, interested to see a few conspiracy theories doing the round about Raul Jimenez. We talked about it last Ooh. week and a few more quotes than really were necessary coming from the Jimenez camp and that started to slightly unsettle us. Uh, but as we speak today on Monday, there was a very interesting Instagram post that Mr Jimenez has put out with him and his other half. It was quite extraordinary, wasn't it? <laughs> just through it. Just like, scene for us, dear. That is quite <laughs> remarkable. A wolf, a wolf, um, the wolf logo painted on his on his partner's stomach. I mean, who's who's painted that for a start? Is that well, is that's that the question. Yeah. Well, you would think so. Either that or the dog. They have got a dog, haven't they? Or dogs, plural. So did you did Raul. you ever do that? That's that's the question. Do you know what? I never had any wolf head painted on my pregnant belly no <laughs> I don't but think you know anyone I ever feel, has I don't I think anyone ever has that's a complete <laughs> lack of commitment on my part because I had the wonkiest weirdest baby bellies ever because both my babies were breached so their heads were digging in my ribs so it could have been quite hard to paint it on <laughs> and get a straight wolf head but I'm, I'm ashamed to say I never tried it it's quite remarkable thinking? really Surely the, it is the agent chan- <laughs> Yeah, exactly, yeah. Surely the, the chances of the baby being named after some kind of wolves. Although, oh, this girl though, isn't it, actually? Maybe Wendy then, Wendy Wolf. Yeah, because it had a little um, bow on the top ear of the wolf. 
logo. I mean, what's what's happened? Just when you think 2020 can't get any weirder. <laughs> it's quite odd, isn't it? I've I've never. I, do you know? I nearly got a wolf's tattoo once. Nearly. Did you? Nearly, when you say yes, nearly, were you in the chair or did you? Just get that drunk. Um, it was after, I know. It's it either a kebab after, or a tattoo. <laughs> it was after 2003 playoff final. And me and my mate, uh, Rich, wanted to get something to, to mark it, you know, this special occasion. And then um, we were going to get we were gonna get the wolf head on our shoulders. And um, I was living at home at the time. And my dad, who used to be a doctor, I told him about this idea. And um, he wasn't happy. And he said, because I had my, I had my pet, sorry, long, long story cut short, I had my appendix out around that time and it kind of, the scar kind of ballooned up a little bit. And my dad was like, if you get a tattoo that it'll, you've got funny skin, so it'll, it'll completely um, embellish like that and you'll get a horrible scar where the tattoo is. He's probably talking complete gibberish, but it put me off. It worked. And I'm so glad he did that. Like, I would, <laughs> so because you didn't get the tattoo, what's but... the most outlandish thing you've done to display your commitment to your club? Um, I had a oh, I had a wolves I had a wolves themed bedroom at university. That was a bit weird. Mm, that's not like, weird. What do you mean? No, weird? I, I, I painted it gold. Painted the whole thing gold and had like a big flag and like oh, a big you? mosaic. Well, you painted your room at university. Yeah, you were allowed to yeah. do that. Uh, probably not, but um, <laughs> yeah, that's Did a good you? point. Yeah, the person <laughs> it wasn't in halls of residence. It was like a house. These digs. Yeah, an Albion fan wall. move in the following year. That would have been hilarious. <laughs> My missus at the time was not happy, but um, <laughs> she not. That's one of the I'd have been delighted that. if you and my boyfriend had been there. Spot on, Bob on colours. No, yeah. Dare I ask what 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 you've what you've done? The, the I was kind of hoping you wouldn't. Yeah, I was kind of hoping you just let it go and we just move on to the next topic go on. that we oh, have here we planned. Go. This is good. No, I haven't actually thought it through, but there's not much I've done that's normal in my life. And um, yeah, I've done some with, I've taken banners to Wolves matches that appeared in <laughs> magazines. Okay, what was the banner? <laughs> no, I shouldn't admit this. What, you weren't the, you've let us down again banner, were you? No, I was not. You've let us down not, again. My God, no. Oh no, that was awful. No, I, oh, it's really embarrassing. It's really embarrassing. It's really. Come on, come on, you've come this really, far now, you've got to share. Oh my God, it's really embarrassing. So I remember being in the North Bank at Molyneux, the new North Bank, and Graham Taylor was the new manager and we played Tranmere and I just I just remember Wolf scoring and me holding up the banner going do you not like that it's so embarrassing. I can't believe I'm telling you this it was in either match or shoot and 90 minutes which no I bought every week and I remember going down to Star's new shop in Codsall picking it up and there was me looking like an absolute donut <laughs> and my say friends that's available somewhere on the internet. I do hope not. It's probably in my garage somewhere. And my girly friends were like, "So just to get this right, Jack, you you actually got this gold piece of material, or yellow, or whatever it was, and actually got a marker pen and wrote, do you not like that?'" And I said, "Yeah, I, I actually did that. How embarrassing is that? Not in conjunction <laughs> with anyone bad. else. No boyfriend made me do it. Nobody. <laughs> I just did it on my own." Like a giant sado. Moving on, let's move on. Um, so Jimenez, I mean, is that a sign? Is that a tactic? Because it's been, it's been suggested that these quotes have been going a little bit far and are not necessary. They don't need to keep talking about this. And he's probably read your article about him being a Real Madrid fan. I mean, wouldn't you just stick a tweet out saying, "Oh, don't worry, I'm staying." I mean, he's, he's, he's gone to extreme <laughs> lengths there to prove his love for the club. <laughs> and I do want 
to know who wrote it because if he did that, it took me years of gouging into school and Leeds University desks, Graham Taylor's Golden Black Army with a little wolf head, you know, perfecting it. It took me years and years to do that. So he's nailed it quite quickly if he did it. It's an interesting move. Um, yeah, the, the must, yeah, you, you're probably right, given the timing of it and, and people questioning whether he's coming or going and his dad quoted in Mexico last week saying it's cool to be linked with Juventus and Real Madrid, which it is, but, you know, you just don't say it, do you? It just doesn't help when there's so much speculation around. So, yeah, it's probably, it doesn't mean he's not leaving. Of course, it doesn't, it's not a written binding contract unless it was in permanent marker. Um, so, um, yeah, no, for, I did a big article on, on Raul last week with them. Um, colleague of mine from America, Felipe Cardoso, who went to Mexico to meet some of his family and hopefully people will read it and enjoy it and, and get an insight in, into Raul's background and, you know, his get a sense of his humility and his work rate and what a nice lad he is and, you know, he's not going to go chasing fame and fortune even though he's already got it. And, um, yeah, I think uh, I think he fits really well into the philosophy and the type of player that Nuno wants at the moment. He's very hardworking and, and, and grounded for somebody so famous back home. Very interesting detail in that piece, particularly about his last season at Benfica when he was very much on the bench and then came to Wolves and he's been an absolute revelation. I was interested in the line about, was it 12,500% growth in Mexico-based followers? I mean, that, <laughs> yeah. would, that surely counts for a lot if they were thinking of cashing in on him, Wolves. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Wouldn't yeah, that absolutely. Mean a lot? Wouldn't he take the fan base with him wherever they, wherever he goes? He's hugely important to, to Wolves in that regard. He wasn't signed for that reason. It's been a happy coincidence. Um, but yeah, Wolves are, Wolves are massive in Mexico now. I spoke to um, Russell Jones, their marketing boss, uh, about it a few months ago for a piece, um, which people can find in the Athletic. It was out in January, and of course they were hoping in a month's month's time or two months' time to, to go to America to Texas to play Club America, Jimenez's Mexican club, in, in a massive pre-season friendly. Um, I think there's a huge stadium in Dallas, people will know, uh, holds almost 100,000 people. The plan was to go there, Wolves play Club America, a big Jimenez game. That was the plan. You know, they want to take advantage of this. They haven't really been able to yet, I don't think as much as they've liked. They've had the green third kit, which is obviously a, a Mexico rip-off kit, which has done very well. So they're trying, they're trying more things. And um, there's a limited time, you know, Rouse 29 already, he's not going to be around forever. And um, they want to take advantage of that now while, while, while he's still here, which, judging by that tweet today, maybe be around for a little bit longer than people might have thought. Yeah, really enjoyed that long read article. Also the one about Christian Marquez, but from a Wolves perspective, you're kind of like, yeah, all right, Tim, you don't need to write that. Tone it down a little bit. So he's the next big thing, 17, Portugal-born Swiss defender, Connor Cody role, all very exciting. Move on, nothing to see here. Right. <laughs> if you're a Wolves fan, I, you can read it, but don't tell your mates. Okay. Yeah, I know. Like, I, do you know, I, I had to tone it down a bit as well because it was a little bit. It was a little bit too uh, gushing. Not not so much just just my words, but words of others um, in its praise. You know, they, they do rate him very highly. Yeah, he's in the Cody role. Signed him last year. Born in Portugal, um, which is one of the big draws as to why they're able to get him to Wolves because the, uh, he nearly went to Benfica, Bayern Munich room for him. But he's, he's the academy's record signing. Um, Courtney Halls was the previous record from Wickham many years ago, but you know they, they the interesting thing about this one with Marquez, it normally takes a few months to scout a player to do a deal with him to convince him to come. This was done in a month. You know, Wolves were convinced the first time they saw him that he then they went to watch him in a Switzerland youth game. They actually, actually went to watch some Belgian players, and Marquez was the one that caught the eye, and they moved very quickly to sign him. Got the green light from Jeff Shee. 
And yeah, I'd urge everyone to read it. You know, this is a, a what they hope will be a big success story for the academy. And the article was born out of the fact that he's now training with Nuno's first team in a very select group at Compton. There's about 23 players there at the moment. Can't have any more than that. And um, yeah, you can read all about that. And um, Darren Ryan, who's been at Wolves for quite a few years, uh, elite player development coach, um, spoke to me um, to give a real insight into Christian's strengths and what he needs to do to improve. Yeah, really interesting. Also, you're a best comeback win since 2000. You gave people the option to vote. I did vote. I went for the Leicester one, although I was at the Sheffield United one. It was only coming from two goals down, but it was in stoppage time. I was very proud of the fact that I stayed. I was in the um, what's now the Steve Ball stand, John Island at the time. And uh, and it was quite amusing because most people were out on uh, Waterloo Road by the time. Was it DeWolf penalty and Emblen header 95? And it was in the new year. And uh, I was back from living in Germany I think at the time but yeah that was good but I went for the Leicester one what was your vote? Mine was Leicester as well but uh, I haven't actually checked to see what won that but I would have thought it would be the Man City 3-2 from from Christmas it was hard to narrow down the comebacks from this season alone because you had the, the Spurs yeah. one the Nor- Norwich one before Christmas Southampton 2-0 down Man to City. 3-2 and Man City so um, yeah they're, they're the comeback kings they are Now for this week's guest. Jordan Graham was born in Coventry and spent 12 years coming through the ranks at Aston Villa. After a couple of loan spells, manager Kenny Jackett signed him for Wolves in January 2015 at the age of 19. Jordan remained at the club as Jackett, Walter Zenger and Paul Lambert came and went. He showed great promise during a purple patch of eight assists in the space of 12 games after which he suffered a serious ACL knee injury. And we are delighted to have Jordan with us now to tell us about his experience at Wolves. Hi, Jordan. Hi, Jackie. Now, what does lockdown life mean for you at the moment? Are you taking it easy? Um, yeah, I am. Uh, it's uh, It's been strange, I suppose. Um, it is something completely different. I, I imagine everyone's never, didn't think they'd ever see in their lifetime at any point. But uh, I think it's, I found it quite, um, relaxing really and really nice for me I found it quite therapeutic it's given me some time to reconnect with my with my family and I moved back in at home and I got to spend some more time with my parents and uh, I haven't really done that for years and years really since I signed my first professional contract when I was 17 at Villa so it's it's been nice and it's a uh, it's something that I suppose as, as horrible as the time has come the time that I've managed to have with my family and stuff I, I, I wouldn't change really it's been it's been really enjoyable for me personally because you've had some loan spells, so you've been travelling around a fair bit, trying to get into your groove. But your time at Wolves officially came to an end about this time last week, with your contract due to come to an end. Did you know that you were leaving for quite some time, and and who spoke to you about it at the club? Um, yeah, I have known for for a while actually. Um, I think one of the last conversations I kind of have was while Kevin was still the the chief exec before he left to go to New York Red Bulls and um, he kind of informed me of the situation which I was well aware anyway because it's it hasn't been uh, simple and easy really and uh, the current manager Nuno um, so I was well aware of the situation I knew I knew it was a long time coming really uh, but it's uh, it's football and um, I'm excited for my next my next step in my career uh, I've loved Wolves but I, I kind of knew really from from probably the last year and a half really that I was never going to Never going to play again for Wolves. Um, although I do love the club, they 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 made me who I am. Uh, I owe so much, so much to everyone there, uh, and it's it's kind of a shame for me as I would have loved to have carried to continue on playing for Wolves. But um, obviously, I'm I've been in this game a while now, and I know that things happen, and 
people come in and change things and you have certain relationships that don't work out and it's just part of it's part and parcel of the game really but uh but yeah i am where i am and like i say i'm looking forward to to whatever's gonna happen next in the near future you had a great spell under Kenny Jacket when you were the assist king for a little while. It seemed every two minutes that Tim was tweeting. It's another assist for Jordan Graham. It seemed to be going so well for you at that time. Uh, you did have an ACL injury. Do you think that was what really stunted your time at the club, or, or was it other factors? Um, no, I think I think there was a, there was there was quite a few factors involved actually. Uh, the ACL injury was obviously not ideal um, at the time. I was on a nice run of form and I finally got in the team which took me quite a while because I obviously felt like I should have been playing before I did initially play for Wolves under Kenny. Um, I felt like I was putting in some really good performances in the 23s and I probably deserved my chance a lot sooner than it came and I ended up going on loan to Oxford uh, and did really well there. Got quite a few assists in a short amount of games there and came back and I was actually, it's a funny story actually, I was I was actually going to start against Birmingham away uh, at St Andrews, yeah, under Kenny, after I came back, after he recalled me from Oxford. And I um, I actually remember coming back into the into the first team and training, and I was terrible. I obviously must have been really nervous. I'm not sure what it was, but it was probably my worst training session of my career. And I was, he told me I was playing. And then after that session, I think I came out of the team and I then ended up being on the bench for a couple of times. And then I kind of thought to myself, well, why why have I ended up coming back here when I was playing at Oxford week in, week out and learning and enjoying my football? So we kind of had the conversation personally and I ended, we ended up deciding that I was going to go back back to Oxford. And then within a couple of hours, he gave me a phone call and said, you know what, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to play you against Ipswich and we're just going to take it from there and see what happens. And he kind of had, had that trust in me and, and that belief that, that it would all work out. And, and I mean, the rest is history, really. I made my debut against Ipswich away and did really well and then kind of just went on, kept that form up from Oxford that I had um, and took it into my Wolves into my Wolves season and I was loving it, enjoying life. And then obviously the injury came, which was terrible, but you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it, Jackie. I, I really wouldn't. I know it sounds ridiculous to say, but it's made me who I am and I've learned so much in the last four years of my life about my career, myself as a person on and off the pitch. And um, I genuinely believe that now I'm in a much better place physically. I'm stronger, I'm fitter, and I cannot wait to, to see what the future holds in the next in the next chapter of my career. Jordan, it's, uh, it's, it's Tim here, mate. Um, I remember that, that period so well. Wolves were really struggling at the time and, and kind of heading really towards the bottom three and Steve Morgan had put the club up for sale and then you came in and did your thing and it was it was incredible really the amount of assists you got um in a short space of time what did you kind of put that down to was it just the fact that you that you'd got this chance and the fact that you were playing regularly meant that you show could show what you could do yeah yeah definitely um i put it down i mean i put it down to really my loan at oxford um my loan at oxford was probably my first loan in my career where i played game after game after game after game. I think I played six or seven games there. And that was my first real taste of men's football at a, at a good level. I think Oxford were League Two at the time. But I mean, it was still professional football. And I think that kind of gave me the belief. I mean, I've always had self-belief, always. I've, it's never it's never an area where I've struggled. I've always believed in in knowing what I can do. And I think that allowed me to to show, I suppose, the world that I can do it in the men's game at, at a very high level. and. And then I kind of said to myself, well, if I can do it here, I, I can do it anywhere. And coming back to Wolves, then doing it in the championship, I mean, I think I was only 20 years old and 
I, that, that gave me the belief to, well, I can do this in the Premier League and I can do this for my country. And I, I, I don't really have, I mean, I still don't have any barriers in the way. I don't, I don't think there's a level that I can't play at. And, and, and I, I, that isn't, I don't want that to come across arrogant because it's not at all. It's just a level of self-belief that I have. And I believe that to reach the top, you have to have that kind of mentality. Otherwise, if, if you're setting yourself limits and I can't go past this, then you're never going to, you're never going to reach, reach the pinnacle. And, and I think that's how I've always been. And that was kind of what carried me through Wolves. I mean, I was very nervous on my debut, I can remember, because I thought to myself, I've come from Oxford and now I'm playing away at Ipswich at Portman Road, where I was on loan before when I was younger. And I'm in the championship and these games are going to be televised soon. Uh, and it was kind of like Wolves is, is a huge club. And as a 20-year-old that hasn't really played anywhere near that level at the time, I was a bit like, whoa, what, it's, it's all happening so quick. But I always believe that I can go to the top and if I have to get to the top, then you've got to start somewhere. And, and if I can do it in the champ at this age on my debut, then the rest can be history. And that's kind of how I just, I just took each game as it came and I enjoyed it, played with a smile on my face. And I felt I thought I was improving as each game went on. So I absolutely loved every minute of it. And the injury was a nightmare, was was not ideal at all. But but that's definitely taught me the things in, in the game that I suppose I wouldn't have learnt possibly if, if it didn't happen. What was that experience like when you had a bad injury? Because you weren't the only one at that time, were you? You had some company in the treatment room. I did, yeah, yeah. I had Noor and, and obviously Michael. Uh, Michael's came a couple of months after mine. But um, yeah, it... it it, it was it was it was horrible. I mean, I, rem- I remember quite well actually the first I'd say the first three or four weeks, yeah, probably up to the first month after it happened, it was just non-stop sympathy that I got from everyone, and I kind of didn't realise how loved I was and, and how much of an impact I made when I played for Wolves. It was it was quite surreal, and then I think I did it on the 16th of January, and then I think once we got into mid-Feb, that was it. I'd walk into the training ground and I wouldn't hear anything off anyone and. Oh, my friends wouldn't ask me how anything was and it was kind of just me and my knee and it was just a battle of how quick I can get back because it's all good and well once you get sympathy messages and phone calls every other day off people how are you how is it how was the surgery da, da, da. and then that kind of all fades away which is of, of course natural it's, it's what's going to happen and then it's kind of me just going in every day to do my rehab work and it's it, it can get lonely sometimes but you know I'm I think I'm really really mentally strong and I've had a lot of ups and downs in my career. That isn't that isn't the only one, but uh, I've overcome quite a lot of things. And and I think it was okay for me, luckily, because I, I have good people around me. Um, and my relationship with my my physio at the time, a guy called Jazz Sodi, who who left Wolves and went to Villa, uh, was incredible. And I think he helped me. I probably I'd put 70, 80% of my whole my whole 14, 15 months that I was out for down to Jazz. Jazz was was amazing, and to have that relationship with with the most important person in getting you back on the pitch really did help the time pass and and uh and yeah I think looking back on it now it was obviously a long time out but like I said it taught me a lot and it made me a completely stronger person mentally on and off the pitch and and it is what it is I suppose it's just it's just one of those occupational hazards obviously you're out for such a long time and then by the time you've come back um the club's been the club's got new owners um Walter Zenger's come and gone with, without you featuring because you were still injured, and then Paul Lambert's come in. Was it a, and lots of players have come and gone as well? Was it was it a very different club when you when you got back to full training? I suppose it was it was probably slightly different uh, under Paul. I wouldn't say too much different of what I can remember, no. But it was it was slightly different. Obviously, there were new owners, yeah, but uh, not not too much had changed. Uh, the the philosophy, I suppose, of 
of Paul wasn't too much different to Kenny really, whereas Nuno's completely changed everything and it's a completely different club. I couldn't recognise it now to what it was when I was playing, but under Paul, not so much, no. But I remember coming back on my, on my well, he, Paul brought me on actually against Huddersfield for like 20 odd minutes at Molyneux. And then I remember starting in the last game of the season against Preston at home at the Molyneux and I got another assist after like six minutes from a corner to Danny Bath and I thought, I'm, ba I'm back after such a long time out. Um, I trained really well and I thought, well, I did I, I did pretty well against Huddersfield and then to come on, make an assist again after six minutes from a corner for Danny, last game of the season, played 60-odd minutes at home, played really well. I think I got man of the match again in that game, to be fair, and I thought, first game back, this is going to be no issue. Um, really exciting times are ahead. Uh, and then, obviously, the summer came, end of the season, and Paul left and, and Nuno came in and it was just really a case of... Uh, he wanted me to play as a wing-back and I didn't necessarily agree, really. I didn't, I can't see myself really as a wing-back. Uh, for someone that's played as a winger or a striker or a number 10 or in a forward position my whole career, you know, to be told that I won't be allowed to play in that position, um, I thought was quite strange. And I suppose I tried to play in the position and I, 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 I gave it my all and I, I just didn't really feel comfortable. I felt like I wasn't being allowed to express myself totally. And it was just football, you know, his, his vision was for me to do that and, and I wasn't necessarily too pleased by the thought of it as I'm sure you can remember Tim from my games from, from Wolves, if that's mostly where you've watched me. I mean, it's my, my career is 1v1s and being in the final third and beating players. Yeah, and, yeah and getting half turn and getting shots off and crosses off and deliveries. And I just felt I was a bit limited from wing back. But for one reason or another, um, I wasn't allowed to train in a forward position. I wasn't allowed to, I wasn't allowed to play any training matches as, as, as a, I mean, where I wanted to play was where Costa and Cav were playing. And, and I wasn't really being allowed to do that. I was limited to, to, to playing as a wing back. And, and that was really, that was it really. Um, and I just wanted to, I basically kind of said, if, if that's what the case is, then I'll, I'll look elsewhere and I'll, because and I'll, I'll, I'll do want to play as, as a forward player. And, and that was literally it. I mean, I, I completely admire Nuno as, as a manager. Um, I think he's absolutely incredible to have worked with him, under him, to see how he works, to see how he trains, uh, his vision for the club. It's, it's incredible. And the proof's in the pudding, isn't it, really, with him coming in first season in English football when he wins the championship. I mean, yes, they had a, a larger budget than most teams, but we see every day in world football that it's not about money, it's not about who you buy, it's it's about how you play and the relationship you have with your players and the formation. And he took the championship by storm and, and walked it. And then his first season in the Prem, he secures European football and then they make it to the knockouts of European football in his third season before this happens. So, I mean, he's amazing. I, I don't have a bad word to say at all uh, as a manager. I think he's, he's incredible and... I completely wish him the best and wish Wolves the best. I love Wolves as a club. They'll always have a place in my heart because they've made me who I am today as a person, as a player. Uh, I love the fans. The fans have been incredible with me. I've hardly had... A, a, I don't think I've maybe one or two bad messages on social media or in person in the whole five years I've, I've been at the club. And I suppose that's a lot down to the, the impact I must have made on, on Wolves fans when I made my debut. But um, it's, it's, it's a sad time for me to leave. But, you know, like I said, relationships with managers in football, sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. And, and that's just the way it goes. Now for me, it's just looking forward to the, to the next chapter in my career and, and seeing what happens. Jordan, you've spoken 
honestly there about what happened with Nuno and you had a difference of opinion. Could you just please paint the picture for us as to how that actually happened in training? Was it out on the training pitch where he says to you, Jordan, you know, we've got two other first team players in your position, so I'd like to try you at right wing back. Let's just do this in training. And you said no. Or did you actually play there and say, I can't do this? Um, Was there confrontations? What was it actually like when you had that debate and conversation? And was it repeated or was it just once? No, to be fair, uh, it was so obviously in the pre-season where he came, um, he signed in the pre-season and he kind of said to me that he wants me to, to play as a wing back. And of course I thought, OK, um, I said to him, yeah, that's fine. And, and, and gave it a go. I mean, he initially came in and, and, and said to Connor he wanted Connor to play centre back. And I, I mean, Connor, I imagine Connor probably reacted like me in his head, thinking he's been a centre mid his whole career and rarely plays centre back. But look how it's worked out for Connor. So it's not to say the vision was wrong at all. But um, for me, I was a bit like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm a very attacking-minded player. I'm a very, I've always been a winger. I've always been a forward player. This is a bit odd, but I, I mean, I, I gave it a go. I didn't, didn't say no, and I, I just felt like, uh, I felt like I was not performing to the levels I should have been performing at uh, during training, and during the pre-season friendlies that we were having, and that I put that down to me being in a position that I felt completely uncomfortable with. It, it, it wasn't, it wasn't second nature to me. It was, it was very odd. And and then obviously I would just try and say, can I play more forward? Can I train more forward? And, and I wouldn't be allowed to. He, his, his vision was for me to play as, as a wing back. And, and to be honest, in hindsight, I mean, now I look at how where Docs plays, I mean, the role, I think I could do for sure. I mean, I rarely see Doc defending. I mean, Wolves have a lot of the ball and Doc's always getting on the back post, overlapping the Dama. So for sure, it's it's the vision. I understand his vision and where it, and where it was coming from. But for me at the time, I felt like I was underperforming and I felt like as a new manager that's coming, of course you want to impress. And I felt like I wasn't being able to show him the real Jordan Graham, the one that gets the ball and rips defenders and chops people and delivers crosses and gets shots off. I felt like I was really limited from wing back. And I felt like, I'm not going to get in this team here. There's there's a lot of, and I, and whilst this is all going on, they're making sign-ins and the squad's obviously becoming a lot better because uh, the club was bought by owners with more money and and the, the competition gets harder for places. And I and I just remember saying to myself, I, I'm not going to get in this team here. I'm I'm not going to play many games because Docs Docs is a more natural fullback wing back than I am. This isn't really my position. I'm struggling to really show completely what I can do and I remember a lot of the drills and training were limited to touches and, and obviously me being a flair player I, I'm a dribbler I, I, I probably always take more than four or five touches every time I get the ball and I just felt like I was I was being halted back from showing what I could do and then obviously the season started and I didn't I think the first couple of games were Middlesbrough and I came on for a few minutes at the end and then we played uh, Hull I think it was away where Ruben scored a cracker and I didn't come on and then we played Yeovil in the cup I think it was and we we obviously battered Jovel because we had all the ball at home in a cup game, but I don't think I was great. And then I kind of remember saying to him, I'm not really enjoying this kind of thing. Uh, I'm not in the team. I'm not really enjoying it. And I'd want, I'd prefer to go on loan. So I ended up leaving, uh, went to Fulham, which was a completely uh, different experience for one reason or another. And then came back in the January and he, we, he kind of said the same thing again to me. I remember him sitting me down and we went through a couple of Dox's clips and, 
he just said, look, what, what is it here that you see the difference between him, uh, him and yourself? So he showed me clips of when I were playing before and, and clips of Doc while Doc was playing. And there really wasn't much, different, uh, much difference in the clips. And he said to me, I, I really think you can do it. So once he recalled me back from Fulham, I, I, I knew that he wanted me then to go back into the, into the wing-back role. So I, th- I was kind of hoping he'd maybe say, look, give it a go in a more advanced position where you feel more comfortable. But I didn't. So I thought, you know what, I'll come and give it a go again. And I tried again. And... There was, I wouldn't say there was an incident on the training ground. There was just uh, there was something that he explained to me he wanted me to do next time I got the ball because I was doing something wrong. And then I tried to follow it the next time I got the ball. And then I ended up clearly doing that wrong. And then I just we kind of just had a meeting that afternoon. And it was mutual more than anything, really. I think, I think he, ha- he has a lot of respect for me um, in the way that I kind of told him what, what I felt I was comfortable doing. And I, I don't think I'm achieving very much in this position and I think I'm being limited and I think he said it's kind of this way or no way really and his vision was for me to play there and and my vision kind of wasn't and and that was it and then we kind of went our our separate ways I went back down to the 23s and and carried on the 23s uh, and then that was it really so I kind of knew for a good year and a half two years that it, it kind of wasn't going to work out but it's it's nothing against him at all it's nothing against anyone at the club it's, it's just more that Playing, spending 19, 20 years playing as, as a forward player to then get told to go into a defensive position and not feel like you're achieving. And, and my confidence was a lot lower. Uh, I felt like I was underperforming massively, even though I was giving it my absolute all to try and learn the position. And I just felt like I was being limited. And, and that's kind of that's kind of where it was. It was, there's no, I haven't got a bad word to say at all. Like, there's no sour grapes. It's just football. And I've learned that. As I've got older, that in the game, sometimes you meet managers, you meet staff, you meet players and, and things don't necessarily work out how you want them to completely or how you dreamt of of it going. And, and you end up parting ways and going separate ways and trying new things. And and that's just the way it is. But I wouldn't I wouldn't change a thing. It's it's a shame. And I look back and think sometimes if I had learned the position better and, and, I, and I played it better and he liked me more, maybe I'd be in the Premier League now. But... It is the way it is, and obviously my career has gone a different route, but my aim is still to get to the absolute top, which is playing for my country, and I just have to keep working hard, and I believe I'm in a better place than I was when I played for Wolves, which must be hard for people to believe, but I, I really do feel like I am, and that's why I'm excited for the future. I remember you um, I remember you gave a really good account of yourself in, yourself in that game at Southampton away, do you remember in the Carabao Cup? Well, it's, it's interesting to say you, kind of, you, know, you don't regret um, moving perhaps on loan that season, do you, do you think that do you think that Nuno maybe sees something that other managers doesn't because or don't sorry because we've seen Conor Cody move to centre half you know he tried Adama Traore at wing back as well early this season which everyone thought was very unusual do you think he's got do you think he sees things slightly differently and that's what makes him such a good manager oh uh, yeah 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 he he def- definitely has his own vision um has his own way he's he's always had this uh, the five three two style or three four three whatever you want to call it and uh, I mean it's he's very setting his ways with that I mean I don't think I've seen Wolves change formation once since he came in the door three years ago so I always knew that for me once I found out what the formation was was I had to get myself into an attacking position a little bit like him like you just said actually a bit like the Adama situation so I mean he obviously tried Adama at wing back and I think it's clear to see he plays much better in a forward position with Docs behind him instead of him behind someone else and I do think that that's probably what I wish I had have had. It's just that I, for, for one reason or another, I, I don't know. I really don't know. 
I was never given that opportunity. I was never allowed to show him what I could do in a forward position, which, which still to this day I, I do find really odd, personally, because I think I'm pretty much as, as out and out as a, as a forward player as, as you're going to get. So I, I, I really don't know why I was never allowed that chance. But yes, I do think his vision is different. And I think, like everyone, I do think he makes he, he can make mistakes. And I think he's he obviously tried a dammer at wing-back and then found out he's probably a lot better going forward. So we'll play him in, in one of the front three. And I think that's allowed Adama to flourish as, as a player. And I think he's hit incredible form for, the, for this season, especially. And there's there's no coincidence that I think that that's him in a forward position because he's, he's more natural there. He, he's allowed his pace to beat defenders. And I kind of wish that I, I had that chance, but but I didn't. So it's, it's just the way football goes. But yeah, Nuno's vision is, is very different, very different compared to anyone that I've ever worked under. And, and like you say, I, I suppose that's probably what, what makes him such a special manager, yeah. It's not so often, Jordan, that we hear players or anybody talking about standing up to Nuno. All we hear is, you know, the good sides, as you've described it, the genius of him, the vision, the tactical genius, etc. What's he like when you say something that he doesn't want to hear, that you disagree and refuse to do what he's asking you to do? It's, it's, a, it's a really good question, actually, Jackie, to be fair. He's, uh, he's I mean, he's very, um, he believes in, in, his, in his way and and so he should. I mean, he's he ha- it's clearly working for him. It's clearly worked for three years. Um, so he has a right to. But yeah, I think it's he's a very strong, strong-minded manager. Uh, and and I can't really say that I questioned too many things really um, while I was while I was playing and working under him. I, I, I'm very I'm very open-minded, and and I, and, I, and I do want to learn. It's just that I felt like I could show him the real me in a forward position. And and that and that was all it was. So uh, the only time we really clashed heads was was regarding my position wise. That was that was about it. Anything that he said to me, I listened to. Anything he told me, I listened to. Anything he he told me to jump, I say how high. He told me to come here, I come here. Go there, go there. I, I I just I know that he knows the game and he's he's a he's an excellent manager tactically. So I, I'm really like a sponge. Anything that people tell me, uh, you know, I, I'll just I, I'll listen to because it it can normally only do me any good. So I was very open-minded. It's just I wanted to show him how good I can really be. I thought to myself he'd see that I'm a really good player if I played in my normal position. So to be told I can't play there was kind of really the the the, the short the brother comes back. Really, that's 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 it. There was nothing else. There was nothing else in it. It was just that. That was the that was really the deal breaker. But he wasn't too pleased, of course, when when I, I would I would maybe say something that he didn't like or. Or, but, but then again, saying that I was I was never a regular starter and I wasn't one of the main players while, while he was there. So I think his relationship with a lot of the other players who are main players there would probably be completely different to how his relationship was with me. Um, but that's also football, you know, that's that's what a lot of managers are like in, in different football clubs. But yeah, it's um, he, he's obviously, he's, he's fantastic and his, his methods are brilliant. And, and I love watching Wolves, I love watching the way they play. And um, obviously I do have moments where I think what could have been uh, if I had have done this and if I had have done that, but hindsight's amazing, isn't it? We can we can all do that and and, and ponder where we'd be if we could rewind the clock. But um, but no, hats off to him. I think he's done brilliantly. And like I say, I, I, I say it again, I really do look forward to to Wolves and how far he can take them and 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 the, the project that obviously they're they're on the path that they're on. And 
and I look forward to see to see how far they can go and, and see what the future holds for them as a club. I really do hope they, they conti- continue to succeed to the level that they are. And do you think maybe you didn't get to play in that advanced position because they had Ivan Cavallero and Helder Costa, who cost a lot of money each, in that same position? Correct, yeah. There's obviously uh, there's a lot. And I've, I have no idea, Jackie, as to the reason why I wasn't really being allowed to play in a more forward role. But um, I, I have no doubt that could be one of the reasons, yeah. Um, it could be that he genuinely didn't think I was good enough, but I always wonder where he would have got that from because he didn't really see too much of me uh, as a, as a wing back. And I think if he did watch my clips for Wolves while I was playing those twelve games, he would have. Um, I wonder why he wouldn't have allowed me to play in a more forward role. So I, I don't know. I think there could have been a lot. Of, there's a lot of different options and factors that it could have been, but. Um, but at the end of the day, that's 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 the way that it happened, and and I can't I can't change that. All I can do is 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 look back and be grateful for the opportunity that I was given under Kenny, and be grateful to and be thankful that I was blessed enough to play for such a big club and make the impact that I did. And and obviously a credit to myself for for working hard and and staying focused when I felt I should have had a chance maybe before I did, and I was ready to take it. And then love my time at Wolves. Uh, wouldn't 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 change anything looking back it's just obviously that that one thing regarding position positionally that stopped me from really really pushing on and 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 that's and that's really it Jordan there's a lot up in the air for everyone really at the moment with what's going on and um I can't imagine what it must be like for you without without a club at the moment I mean in normal circumstances I'm sure you wouldn't be short of offers but what's What's the immediate future hold for you? Have, have you have you had any initial discussions with, with other clubs? And you know, are you aiming for a, a championship club? Is there anything you can tell us? Yeah, just just really that my, I'm in I'm in really good condition. You know, I've I've, I've been working really hard in the last in the last. I mean, since I joined Gillingham in, in January, I was I've been working hard, training hard, uh, really enjoying playing down there. It's a great bunch of lads. Um, and then obviously since this this. Uh, this pandemic occurred I've been keeping myself in great shape going on runs all the time doing gym work um, and obviously I knew that this this time was coming like I said for quite a while so I knew I knew that my my time at Wolves was coming to an end and and my goal now is really just just to play at the highest level possible for me um, as, as the, the highest I can play at because I believe that I can I, I can play it in the Premier League and I can and I can play, perform to a high level in the Premier League and I've, I've always had that, that mindset and right now it's more excitement than anything. Uh, I'm kind of sad, like I said to you before, that I'm leaving Wolves because Wolves is a fantastic club and uh, if ever you say to anyone, like, I play for Wolves, I'm contracted to Wolves, it... it it, it counts for something. It's 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 a big it's it's a big well-known club worldwide. So obviously losing the fact that I'm having to leave a club that I enjoyed playing for, loved my time there really. Um, it's it's not nice, but at the same time I'm absolutely desperate for a fresh start. Tim, to be fair, uh, I've been contracted there to, in the last three years while Nuno's been there, and I, and, I, and I knew I wasn't really getting a chance. So to eventually stop all these loans and being able to sign for a new team the highest the while well, the team at the highest level possible I hope under a manager that that has a has a plan for me and a, and, a, and a vision to to push me on and really help the club that I signed for is is exciting you know I can't wait for to get out of this loan system and to sign a proper deal now at a new club where I can have a fresh start get my head down and and really get back on 
back on track to to reaching the top. That is that is the goal. So all I can do now is keep myself in the best shape possible and make sure when that time comes, I'm I'm ready to ready to take it. And just finally, Jordan, we know about the talent and the ability you have, and and you're backing yourself with the Premier League at some stage. Is it quite a scary time to be a player out of contract? Because as you said, none of us saw this coming, and there is the issue with. Uh, finances, especially EFL clubs, but Premier League as well, in terms of maybe offloading more players than they would be taking on. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, I completely agree. I think it's it's these are unprecedented times, really, and no one no one really knows. I mean, I'm talking. I can only talk to you from from what I'm doing for myself. I mean, I don't know if they're even going to finish the league one season. Currently, I don't know if if they're going to finish the championship, finish the Premier League. When we're going to restart, what wages will be like, what contracts will be like, what what chairmans will be allowing managers to have and budget limits and, and transfer limits I have absolutely no idea but all I do know is is that I believe that um, obviously being on a free right now and my contract ending on the 30th of June so a club not having to pay a transfer fee to Wolves for me uh, will hopefully be good news for me because it won't stop it won't put clubs off I think that most clubs will be obviously after all of this kind of being told to look for the best possible players they can get for the lowest amount of money whether that's a low transfer fee or a low or, or a no transfer fee free agents um, I think that's where most managers will be looking for right now the best possible players they can get for, for the cheapest for the cheapest amount as this is going to be a transfer window that we haven't really ever seen before so I do think I'm in a good position in terms of me being on a free contract and a club not having to pay a, a fee for me and then I suppose it's just down to finding the right club and working under the right manager that believes in me and has a vision and a plan for me and and thinks I can be of huge benefit to that club and, and then it's just about getting my head down and getting back to what I love doing which is playing with a smile on my face and, and working as hard as I can and, and believing in myself and ho- hopefully I can can take my career to the to the next step that I'm desperate to take it to. That was Jordan Graham, and we wish him all the best. Tim, what did you make of what he had to say? Yeah, we do wish him all the all the best. You know, he's a very um, very eloquent player, isn't he? And, and puts his thoughts and opinions across very well. You know, I, I would I say what I wouldn't mind um, half of his self belief and his kind of philosophical attitude on life. And it's interesting, you know, whether he's putting a different face in it. I'm not. I'm sure he's not. But saying doesn't doesn't regret anything really from from his time there even though he obviously thinks and believes he can play in the Premier League which I'm sure he can and Wolves are in a fantastic position and he's, he's saying he doesn't really regret not being a part of it which um, which is um, a very philosophical attitude to have and he says he's excited about the future and I really hope he gets a good club and it'll be interesting to see who, who takes him on because you know he's not got a track record of playing 46 games a season has he you know due to all the injuries he's had and the loans and the ins and outs but I tell you what, you know, speaking to him really reminded me of of that that phase that he had in the first team under Kenny Jacket, and it was incredible. Eight assists in twelve games is is no mean feat. I think Cavale- I think Cavalero in the promotion season under Nuno got twelve assists for the whole season, and you're looking at Jordan Graham getting eight in 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 a third of the season under Kenny Jacket. So it showed you the potential that he had. Could he have made it as a wing back? It's almost impossible to tell. But I remember him giving a decent account of himself when he did play in the in a couple of Carabao Cup games. So very interesting to see where his career goes from here. 
and ultimately maybe we'll regret it one day but at the moment I think it's great that he's got the positive attitude and, and that that will take him far it will. really really did not want to be playing in a defensive role so you got the impression that yeah. he'd just rather play further forward somewhere else maybe not in the Premier League but at least he can play away yeah. that he enjoys so I mean that's up to him isn't yeah, it but if, if, he, if he wasn't going to enjoy it playing at wing back then what's what's the point really you know you don't want to do a job that you don't enjoy if you can help it right so you know Good for him. If um, hopefully it'll work out for him at the next club he, uh, he gets he gets that. But if another manager tries to play him right back, they'd be ill-advised. <laughs> ill-advised to, try to play them this podcast first. <laughs> Okay, a couple of tweets to finish off with, Tim. Matt Wolves asks, do you have any information on if and when Nuno will be signing a new contract? This needs to get sorted with only 12 months left. Wolves can go even further with Nuno in charge, he says. There's no update, but I would would slightly disagree with that in that it doesn't necessarily have to get sorted now. Manager contracts are very, very different to player contracts and... I think Mick McCarthy spent what almost six years at Wolves on a, on a rolling deal, rolling twelve month deal. It just didn't matter, you know, if, if the club were happy with him and Mick was happy that they were staying. So, and that's 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 the situation now. Nuno loves being at Wolves. He's very happy at Wolves. Um, I don't think he's going to leave next summer with no club to go to. Right? I, I can't see that happening at all. So he'll only leave if a club comes in for him, a massive club. And if a massive club comes in for him, his contract doesn't matter whether he's got a ten year contract or a one year contract. If Barcelona come in for him he's leaving if he wants to go. Do you know what I mean? So I wouldn't read too much into it. The difference with Nuno is his agent happens to be a very influential figure at the club. So it's not like George Mendes is going to be badgering Jeff Shee for for contract negotiation talks, you know, showdown talks. You know, they'll just, they'll do it when they want to. And um, fans might fans might be um, panicky about it, but honestly, I, I wouldn't be. Um, if Nuno wants to leave, he will do, and it won't be in relation to his contract. He would be, but I guess there's the theory that if he had another three years on his contract, and another club would have to play Wolves, pay Wolves a lot more to be able to get him out of the contract, which might help Wolves yes. rather than stopping him actually going. But the only clubs he's going to go to are, are, are clubs far higher than Wolves in the football pyramid, right? So I think we're, we're probably talking the elite of the elite, so money is not necessarily much of an object to them. Okay. Darren May... Asks about the playoff final 2003, 17 years ago today, if you're listening on Tuesday, that 3-0 win over Sheffield United. Roll back to 2003, sitting on one of the 90-odd coaches leaving Molyneux, being waved off by Sir Jack. Question, how did you both spend that amazing day in Cardiff? Travel by, sat where, celebrated after where? We talked about this on a pod a few weeks ago, didn't we? I wish you could listen back to, but uh, you were there. Oh God, I'm trying to remember. As a fan, weren't you? Of course. I got the train. They put on. Yeah, they, I was a fan. Yeah, they put on special Wolves trains, um, which were lively. I tell you what, they were tasty. <laughs> and then um, didn't didn't go out in Cardiff after. Went straight back to Wolverhampton, and it was just one. It was one big party town. And I think I said a few weeks ago about how um, Jolene Lescott and Lee Naylor were knocking yeah. around by the Royal London, and Jolene Lescott signed my shirt, which a girl I was uh, courting at the time took the shirt. Oh. You've had a mare there. Um, Yeah, I know. You were in the posh seats, weren't you? I was, because it was literally the only place I could get a ticket, because that was the first season that I stopped going home and away to change career, move up to Sheffield and do my postgrad. And Cy Lansley saved my life, uh, guiding you through the Wolves mailing list, and, and he managed to get a ticket for me via 
I don't know, wherever he got it from. And so, yeah, I was just a few seats away from Sir Jack in a sort of slightly posh neutral area, but I just had to be in the building somehow. So I got a lift down with Sheffield United fans from Sheffield. Absolute nightmare decision, wrong decision to go back with them. They dropped me off in my house in Codsall. My parents were away and I was just on my own and I had an absolute nightmare. Should have just got the bus into Wolverhampton or done whatever, got a cab and just... Probably found you on a doorstep of Yeah, the... we could have had a few Jaegers in the varsity. Oh, in the varsity. Oh, That's where I used to go before games. <laughs> oh, I had an absolute nightmare with that, yeah. And I drank too much Stella before the game, which is not something I normally do. But what a game it was. And finally, Martin Evans, if Wolves were a darts player, which player would they reflect in terms of ability, potential, character, etc.? Brilliant question, Martin. You go first. It is. It's quite... It's quite a niche question. Mm. So you'll, you know you know far more about darts than I do. I, I kind of have a passing interest. Um, so I consulted my best mate, uh, James Priest, <laughs> on um, on who he thought. I mean, well, I thought of Wolfie Adams would be the obvious one, right? But he's he's not quite good enough to reflect Wolves' standing. No. So maybe someone like um, Nathan Aspinall. Oh, that's so the, funny. That's exactly on the, the one I had as well, yeah. Ah. Yeah, I saw that. And he was, I was thinking, oh, I was thinking Gerwin Price. I was thinking, no, because he's a bit more flashy and uh, it gets stick for being arrogant whether he is or not but he you know he's proper not box office proper. I mean he's a brilliant brilliant player but it just didn't fit the Wolves personality but yeah I thought Nathan Aspinall is a lad from Stockport wow. he's very down to earth he's very very talented I mean he had what, 17 quid in his pocket or something he had no money left and he just managed to get enough money to carry on being a pro and he's um yeah he's won a big one won the UK Open so um and he's on the rise so yeah I'll also go with Nathan Aspinall. Thank you, Tim. Thank you, Jackie. It's been great fun. Really, really good fun. And thanks again to Jordan Graham for joining us on The Molyneux View. You can listen every Tuesday morning on your regular podcast platform and ad-free if you're a subscriber on the app. If not, go to theathletic.co.uk forward slash wolvespod. See you next week. Bye for now. (laughs) 